the blast from our past network. Hey everyone, co-host Corey here. I just wanted to take a quick second and say thank you to all of our Patreon supporters. Without you, podcasting after dark would not be possible. If you would like to help the show grow, please consider signing up at patreon.com slash podcasting after dark. You can also support the show by purchasing one of our awesome t-shirt designs on our merch store at podcastingafterdark.com or by picking up a copy of Seven Winters Alone by David Irons on paperback, hardback, or Kindle. Just search for Seven Winters Alone on Amazon or click on the link in the show notes. A free way to help out is to leave us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Those reviews are huge for us and really helps get the show in front of new listeners. Again, thank you all so much for the love and support you've given us over these past few years. It really means the world to us. Welcome to our Patreon-exclusive interview series for Podcasting After Dark with your hosts, Corey Stevenson and Zach Schaefer. Tonight's interview is with the star of the video game Mortal Kombat 3, actor Leah Montalongo. Leah Montalongo, thank you so much for being on Podcasting After Dark. This is uh, this is really cool to have someone in the video game world a part of our show. Thank you. Thank you guys for having me on. I'm excited to uh, chat with you and uh, hang out for a little bit. Oh, thank you so much. We're uh, we're both big fans of of Mortal Kombat, and famously in Mortal Kombat three, you played Queen Sindel, uh, who is a, is a fan favorite character. But I have to just uh, geek out real quick. I still have my Mortal Kombat mythology Sub Zero game, and you played Whoa. Serena in that game. <laughs> yeah. um, I definitely wanted to dive into that, but I just wanted to tell you that I've beaten this game like three times because <laughs> I love Mortal Kombat and I love specifically the mythology behind the story and the characters and, and their relationships. And I still play every Mortal Kombat game to, to date. So I'm happy to also see that Sindel came back in, in the newer versions and it's a character that keeps living on in newer iterations of the game and, and fans really love her. Um, but can you give us a little bit of a, of a backstory on how you, you got involved with uh, Mortal Kombat 3? Sure. Um, I love that you love Serena, though. So we'll, we'll <laughs> chat about that in a second. Um, yeah, you know, I kind of, I've, I've spoken a few times before about this, and I always go to, you know, it really was just being at the right place at the right time, um, knowing the right people and being in the right shape. And, um, you know, that's really what it came down to. I mean, I was just 19 when I was cast as Sindel, wow. which I know it's kind of like to You're think about that now. I was a kid. I have an 11 year old son right now. And I'm thinking like what I was doing at 11 and what right. I was doing at 19, like what an interesting experience. And who knew that, you know, at 19, I would portray this character known as Sindel, the queen of the outworld. Um, and then here I am all these years later. But uh, really quickly, I was involved in fitness at a very young age, you know, right out of high school, just kind of found um women's workout world on the south side of chicago went to training and just became you know so immersed in it 
And at the time, um, I met um, my boyfriend who became my fiance, who became Shao Kahn. Um, and so, nice. yeah, so Brian Glenn and I were both personal trainers downtown Chicago um, at a gym called World Gym. And we were both friends with John Parrish, who had been cast as Jax. And so basically, John Tobias asked John Parrish, hey, do you know any bodybuilders, maybe a couple, you know, like a boyfriend, girlfriend. Um, and John was like, well, actually. And so they called Brian in. He was cast for Shao Kahn. And then they called me in to audition. Um, wow. And then I was cast as Sindel. And there there you go. That's the history in the making. So. That's a trip. I mean, I'm curious about the auditioning aspect of, 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 for a video game. Is it, was it more of like the look and the costume or also like what you could do physically? Yeah. You know, I think that's kind of what has um, really drawn the fans to Mortal Kombat is the real history behind it. We had to physically do all of the action. So we were in front of a green screen, but this was before, you know, they had the, the sensors that they would stick, you know, so we yeah. had to literally do the kicks, the punches, the jumps, the drops, all of that. And I think that for us to be physically, you know, able was, was a big part of being cast as the character. And then also too, like each character, I think kind of came to life with the capabilities that we had. So for instance, you know, I hear Sindel is like, she's kind of you know the character that beats a lot of other characters in the game and those particular movements that Sindel does were only based on how I could move I wasn't mm -hmm. able to do certain moves like my other colleagues you know that have kind of like the very classic um super high kick and um you know because of the wig that I was wearing I couldn't do the front flip so there were certain movements um that i think each character was able to really bring to life based on their capability and that was i think maybe understood like during the audition process um you know and then uh it kind of gave a little or a lot more relativity to like yeah. each character becoming its own you know so totally. yeah that's yeah. So, so for like example, with like Katana, her high kick is so high, it creates, uh, she becomes, becomes like an anti-air character, but you're saying that that's not something that they sort of created for her before the actress came on. That was the, the performer, uh, how, what they, and so, so you're, so, 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 so example, Sindel's kick is unique to you and right. thus it informed how the characters, like where their hit points would be and stuff like that. I, I know that I can speak for myself and I know Catalin too. I'm friends with her and I'm friends with Carrie. And I know that each of us individually can do the movements that you see. Okay. And I know that from my experience, they had a certain idea based on, you know, Johnny Kate, based on like Mortal Kombat 1. And these are the kind of the movements we would like you to do, but they were willing to uh, adjust according. So yes, like... Um, you know, kind of like my experience is uh, there's like a classic still where you see Ed Boon, he's on the, the prep mat and he's been showing me how to do this front flip several times and I'm in costume, but I don't have my wig on and I'm standing there kind of looking over because I couldn't do the front flip, not because I wasn't 
capable to physically um, on my own, but with the wig, we had to find an adjustment. So it was more of like, that's what's so um, unique to Mortal Kombat is that we were able to have a creative outlet or a creative collaboration that um, maybe, you know, doesn't happen now in more current day where it's animated that they can do whatever they want with the character. Um, so yeah, I think I, did I answer your question? <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. absolutely. <laughs> that's really, where that's, am I going? <laughs> that, that, I, I'm, I'm so fascinated by this. Corey, Corey is like the, um, the encyclopedia when it comes to like video game history and, and, and lore and backstories and mythology and all that stuff. And I'm, I'm always in awe of his knowledge of this stuff. Cause I'm just like, Whoa, I was playing Sega master system and <laughs> a Nintendo old school. You know, I'm like my, my level of knowledge stops at like the first mortal Kombat, And then I, I played mortal Kombat two and three in the arcade. And I was like, this is cool. But like Corey lived it. You know? I did. <laughs> I and did. so, but I'm fascinated with the fact that, that here you are 19 year old kid and, and, and starting out like, when you were younger, let's go back to like when you're in high school, did you, were you in high school? Like, were you an athlete in high school? Was this something you wanted to pursue? You're like, I'm going to be in a video game someday. <laughs> that's so funny. Um, that's a great question. You know, it's really interesting from the time I, from the time I can remember, I was always just really physically driven. I'm a self-taught dancer. Cool. Uh, you know, I grew up on the South side of Chicago, um, so after school, I would come home and I literally, you know, taught myself how to dance. We didn't necessarily have dance studios, you know, in Blue Island. Um, and I grew up in a small town called Marionette Park. So, uh, like 13, 14 years old, I was, yes, very physically inclined. I was cheer team, dance team, anything I could do to just be active softball yeah. team. I was on the kitty cats, you know, like anything I could do, um, I remember my neighbor across the street, he was a couple of years older than me. He gave me a dumbbell and it had, it was when like you would fill it with sand. Yeah. And, um, and I remember like I was in my room, like, like kind of dancing with this weight, like oh, no. figuring out how to, you know, so I was always really just drawn to it. Um, I thought you were, I thought you were going to say that the sand fell out of the dumbbell when you were dancing. So. <laughs> that would have been a different story. Yes. <laughs> no sand fell out of the dumbbell, but it was That's like, true. it was just, you know, it was just something that I don't know. I was just always really driven. So meeting Brian, you know, it's, it's really just interesting how your life kind of plays out. I think yeah. being a part of Mortal Kombat was just going to happen. You know, I'm at this point in my life now I'm a mom and I can look back at these moments. And I do believe that, um, things in your life happen yeah. because they're just supposed to happen no matter totally. what. Um, the good and, and the bad. <clears throat> One million percent. I, yep. yeah. So like meeting Brian, you know, um, and then getting involved in a relationship with him he was a professional bodybuilder. And as soon as I met him, we spent, I mean, going back, you asked about high school yeah. after like cheer and those types of things, I found the working out. So by the time I was 17, I was already preparing to compete in fitness competitions. So wow. as I was wow. becoming Sindel and like the youngest character ever in a video game, I was also the youngest fitness competitor <laughs> wow. in um, the Fitness America National Championships. 
That's at a trip. 19. Wow. So yeah, it was, um, you know, it was just kind of what I was really inclined. And even to this day, um, you know, I'm a full-time group fitness instructor. I teach and I, if I'm active at least like two to three, sometimes even four hours a day with teaching, I'm good. I'm on idle, you know, wow. but if I am, you know, sitting too long, I'll start to get really restless. So, um, yeah, yeah for everyone, for everyone wondering, uh, Leah is on a, uh, Peloton bike right now while we're doing this interview. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm actually on a walking treadmill. <laughs> and she's got dumbbells full of sand. Sand. I have dumbbells. Yes. We're making well, that story right now. You know, I, 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 and I, and I don't want to derail from the Mortal Kombat conversation because I'm fascinated by it. But, but um, my son, who's seven, uh, and he's fat. He loves American Ninja Warrior Junior Edition right now. He's been watching it. Up. He's never seen it. He's now like kind of addicted to it. And 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 now you see kids fitness for kids nowadays is uh, is promoted so much more than it was back when we were younger. I think yeah. back when we were younger it was still not a taboo, but you just didn't see it as often. Well, you know? or Zach and I are you know '80s latchkey kids, like your typical latchkey kids. And yeah, yeah, back then it was just here's here's a bunch of sugar, and you know <laughs> it was go outside and play, sure, but there was never any sort of emphasis on being healthy. I am have so happy that that's changed nowadays. Yeah. You know, it's really interesting. I was a latchkey kid too. So I was walking home at nine by myself, you know, yeah, and for real. Um, yeah, I mean, if my son was walking home by himself, I would no, have no yeah, way we talk about all the time. It was a yeah. different world, just a different world back then. <laughs> and, and I feel so fortunate, you know, I mean, I, there, there's, you know, two ways this, my story could have worked out, you know, I'm at home, you know, this little girl, like, single mom home environment, really no parental guidance at all. So you yeah. guys are saying like 19 is so young. Brian and I already owned a condo. Totally. So yeah, it's, you know, like we, we just kind of do the deal, you know, yeah, we didn't yeah. have an excuse. Like I'm only 19. It was like, I was babysitting by the time I was 11 making money. So I had yeah. my first job at 14 hustling at the swap you know, like selling beepers and jewelry. Beeper. Like, you know, the things that, that, um, yeah. that I did, but I think that's how I was capable to like, when the role came, when those opportunities came, I was able to really show up in hindsight. Um, yeah, I'm okay with how everything worked out. Totally. You know? totally. I, I really am. But I, what is interesting is now I have a son and he is, um, he's a gamer and he's also very athletically inclined. He's very coordinated. He's, you know, good shape. He's a good looking kid. Um, but he's just not, it's just, he's just not motivated to like be on this, on the team and like the go-getter he can be, yeah. but you know, I mean, I pick him up every day from school. He has his snacks served to him. He's <laughs> got all of the things that he wants to have. So maybe, you know, the, like the driving, the motivation is just programmed a little different based on our circumstances. You know, I mean, who, who knows really? But. Yeah. Yeah. And things not, have changed so much. Sorry, Corey, I didn't mean to yeah. interrupt, but I, things have changed so much, you know, and, and like Corey said, I, all three of us are latchkey kids. We were built to survive. And fortunately, uh, you know, 
I have a child, you have a child, like you, you, what you give to your, speaking personally, I give to my son what I did not have at the time. So whether, you know, that's perceived as like, well, yeah, I serve him his snack or I, you know, bring him whatever every single day. And, and my wife says to him on a regular basis, you know, you don't know how lucky you have it. And, and he's very grateful and appreciative and all that good stuff. But you think about where we were then to where we are now. And you think your son, who knows at 19, he may be in the same boat you are. He may pursue this career. Um, but here you are. Yeah. 19 back then was what 35 is now, you know, in some <laughs> yeah, ways. Yeah. I agree. Um, and, and just really quickly to interject, yeah. like what um, Corey was saying about like the after school snacks and stuff, you know, like for my son, McDonald's is a treat. Yeah. And for me, that's kind of what I was like, given, like I was fed McDonald's, like, totally. dinner, you know, and like, here's a bag of Doritos, you yep. know, and like, a, you know, chugging down a two liter of Pepsi and like eating salami sandwiches before I went to bed. Cause that's what was in the fridge. Right. You know? And so it, it is like, um, it's, I'm, I'm surprised at how I just had this like internal drive to seek out different and, um, you know, I mean, I was just like a junior in high school. And I remember I was, I was cooking my meals at the time I'd met Brian, you know, and he was already kind of showing me how to diet, eat a healthy diet. So I was eating like tuna fish and rice and I would bring my food to lunch. And I was always, um, academically inclined sports, popular, active, the whole thing. But I remember like junior year and senior year, things started to shift for me because just like what I wanted to do was different. I wasn't yeah. wanting to eat the bags of Doritos or, or donuts for breakfast. And, um, you know, I'm not really sure where, I really don't know where that came from because I don't come from a, like a very healthy family. <laughs> they're just, they're hardworking blue collar yeah. South side Chicagoans, but it, I'm the only one in my family, you know, and then just, at 22, 23 years of age, I moved to the West coast for 24 years. So, um, it's just, yeah, I don't know where that came from. Well, I think that happens. Yeah. And I I think that happens sometimes. Like I I grew up, um, you know, suburban, uh, outside of DC and, uh, everybody, including my, you know, my mom and everything, uh, everybody, it's a very nine to five town because it's, you know, centered around the government and everything. And I just saw people doing what they were doing. And this is no knock on, on anybody or anything, but I knew instinctively at a young age, I was like, that's not for me. I didn't know why. And I didn't know, what was right for me, but I knew that wasn't it, which was kind of my spur to go out to LA and everything when I got older, um, which I think probably a lot of people feel that way. You don't know why you're drawn there. You just know that what you're doing at home is not really the thing you need to be doing. Um, but I, I can, you know, going back to you being 19 and everything, I can only imagine that, that you're, you're, you know, being the background with fitness at the time and everything, you know, it must've been like, I think a lot of 19 year olds and, and, and the, 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 the amount of work that would go into making Mortal Kombat three and your character and everything, like it would be easy for someone at 19 to just blow off your responsibilities. I'm, I'm going to go out partying tonight. And then the next day, you know, you're like, Oh, you, you don't, you don't give it your best, but I assume, and please correct me if I'm wrong, that your, your background kind of also lends you with this, you know, gumption to kind of move forward. And, and did, did it help you as a performer in Mortal Kombat? I guess is what I'm trying to ask. One million percent. Yeah. And I think that's a really good, just like a soft topic to, to bring up is that, you know, um, 
I think that we can be products of our environment and we can be products based on other people's choices, like our parents' choices. So we're kind of like a consequence of like what has happened or like what we're around is like a consequence of like our upbringing. Um, yeah, I think based on like having the, the opportunity to make certain choices, I was destined to kind of get out. I mean, I wanted to get out of this small town and growing up, you know, in that kind of environment, I was able to see similar to what you said. It was like, you know, I saw what like drugs and alcohol. I saw that route. I, I tried to hang around with that route. I tried to be in that group. I tried to hang out with those kids, but for me, it was never, it just wasn't the right way for me to go. I got more fulfillment from going to the gym. I got more Awesome. fulfillment. I, I was able to develop my own self-esteem from doing esteemable acts for myself, you know, That's and I think that helped my trajectory be able to make decisions at a very young age. And it opened the door, you know, from Sindel, they saw I was responsible and I showed up on time and I showed yep. up to set and I was able to put hair and makeup together. And I didn't put things inside of my system um, that were not going to help me because I think like in my younger years of experience with, you know, trying to drink alcohol and do things like that, um, that space of just like kind of feeling out of control was very scary and threatening for me. Um, you know, and, and I'm very fortunate that I was able to feel the endorphins and the feel good feelings from working out. And I had somebody in my life that really cared and loved about me. You know, um, Brian and I, we were best friends. And to this day, I still call him my guardian angel. I, mm. You know, we talk often. We're still great friends. Um, you know, and my grandmother had passed away um, when I turned 14. And she was kind of the person that I always had in my life that I identified more as my mom. You know, she was there for me after school. And when she passed away, I kind of was just like, what am I going to do? Like, who am I going to have in my life to like protect me? And I met Brian, I was 16 going on 17 and I was sneaking into a bar, um, for a dance contest. He was the bouncer at the door and he was like, I'll let you in, but you have to promise you're not going to drink. And I was like, that's fine. You know? And then of course like, the <laughs> fight broke out and it was, uh, you know, were they underage? And so oh, no. my best friend at the time, she wrote my phone number on a napkin and she gave it to him as we were trying to leave before the police came in <laughs> and he called me the next day and we were together every single day wow. for like the next seven years. And wow. he's, you know, six or seven years, my senior. So he was a little older, um, but he really, I, I really feel like he was divinely set or sent into my life. Um, and then it was really up to me. You know, I was the one that pursued becoming a personal trainer. I was the one that pursued moving out to the West Coast. And I've built a career, you know, for 30 years now as a fitness instructor and teaching yoga awesome. and meditation. And um, yeah, it's, I feel so fortunate. And I don't know why some people 
get it and some people don't because you'll see people that come from the best upbringings and then they just have this like internal battle and they're not you know divinely inspired so um I try anytime I get the opportunity to have a platform to just kind of share a little bit about you know um how grateful I am and what I can say is is if you really want to live a healthy lifestyle you have to find something that you just really love to do and for me I just really loved to dance Mm -hmm. and so finding that rhythm in my sand, you know, sand weighted, <laughs> sand weight the first time, like, I was like, Oh, this is fun. You know, <laughs> um, it's just kind of been that the whole, the whole time. So. Nice. Yeah. That's awesome. And, yeah. and I didn't, before you moved out to LA, uh, you know, I, I know what uh, Midway was in NetherRealm games. They were all based in Chicago. Um, did, did you work on, cause you were in Mortal Kombat 40. Did you do the mocap for Tanya? Is that uh no, so there's a real um misconception okay. about my involvement with Tanya. Yeah, uh, that's what I couldn't quite figure out. So I the character was actually created on one based on one of the artist's wives. Okay. And the wife did not want to participate in the E3 events or anything really. So they called me and they said, Hey Leo, would you mind? dressing up as Tanya for E3. And I said, no problem. And so that is my only involvement um, with Tanya. Serena, yes, 100%. <laughs> yeah, that, I mean, so Serena's the, the real meat on the on the bones here. Uh, yeah, I just wasn't sure about Tanya because I was like, I don't, you know, and I just want to get clarification on that. Um, but Serena was a, was a much, I imagine, and, and, and I hope to you elaborate on this, a bigger experience. Like, I mean, there, there's cutscenes and in, in, uh, mythologies, Sub-Zero. Uh, there's, you know, full costumes and everything. And you're interacting with other characters. Uh, I, I think, did uh, John Turk play uh, Sub-Zero in that? Um, and I, God, I love that costume so much. I love your costume too. The costume designs, oh, I could just talk about it forever. But <laughs> how different, well, and just one thing about Mortal Kombat 3, what was the, the uh, how long was that experience of filming those moves and then versus mythologies how long was that experience to film that so um Sindel was probably the most tedious and the most like time consuming and when I say tedious I don't mean like boring it's just like a lot of rep- uh, re- repetitive movements like based on how punching. they were you're correct yeah. right and it was at the point where they were still um taking images so there were seven images per movement so as you see that full punch for me it was kind of a more one two three four you know like a flip yeah. so it was actually pauses like you were actually doing the the move like they weren't filming the movement you were they were filming eat they're just taking pictures of each almost like stop motion animation yeah. correct correct okay still shots. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, you know, there's other, there's other, uh, movements that I do. There's like, a many of us do this where it's kind of like this, I don't know what you call it, but it's like this high jump where I'm like in this crouched pose. So there's a set of three wooden steps. And so I'm on each step for an image for a still shot. And then they take those still shots and digitize it 
And then that's how the whole movement is created. So it was hours, you know, it was going in for a fitting and then it was going in to do these action movements. Um, And then Brian and I did a day on set where we were photographing for the side cabinet, which is really cool. But it was always, I mean, oh my gosh, we just, we had a blast. It was so much fun. And then Serena, um, Serena was not much physical uh, repeat for me because they already had me. Um, kind of they already had my image so they could just add or take away and put me in the costume in real life I was there in costume for the acting part of it so the movie making part the storytelling part and yes that was with John Turk and uh, Rich Divizio and that was you know probably one of my favorite experiences of all time just because we did it. We were just kids, you know, like, I think I was barely 21, 22. Wow. Um, but I thought I was a real actress then. So <laughs> like, I'm real, this is really happening. Um, it, it's something some funny that, that Zach and I always talk about, uh, cause we are technically a cult movie podcast, uh, from movies, seventies, eighties, and nineties, but obviously there's a massive cross section with mortal Kombat fans. Yeah. But one thing that Zach and I do talk about frequently in, in these movies, um, that there's an X factor where you can just tell, and it comes off screen that everybody was having a good time behind the scenes. And it just, you can weirdly, you can feel the love and, under the lens, and I think that's one of the reasons I loved Mortal Kombat Mythology Sub-Zero so much is, quote unquote, the cutscenes were cheesy. I love them to death. But at the same time, there was something magical about it. I felt the love that everybody, I assume and I hope, had behind the scenes. Like, you all were making something... I mean, you were taking Mortal Kombat into a new area, you know, whether that succeeded or not, it, it, it didn't matter because at the time you were breaking new grounds with, with these characters and everything. And I swear to God, it comes off on screen. You can feel the love behind it. Am, am I correct at all in, in my assumptions? Yeah, a million percent. And, um, you know, and that's the, like, the beautiful thing about being a part of this, you know, this experience and this franchise and now, you know, Uh, something that will remain forever is uh, like to this day, you know, John Turk and I are still good friends. I had dinner with him and his wife in San Diego. We went to a fan signing um, just this last year and we went and did the deal. And then we were staying at the hotel and John's like, I got to get a workout in. I'm like, me too. You know, so we work out together. We did a workout together. And if I need anything, if I have any questions, I can reach out to him. If I you know, need any support uh, in any way of like, um, you know, I'm going to go on this podcast or so-and-so is reaching out to me, or do you think I should do this? You know, we all kind of watch out for each other. Carrie and I, Carrie, Carrie is like, you know, one of my dearest friends, especially in this space of like, so-and-so is calling me or they want to interview me for a book or, you know, I go to her, she's kind of like a mentor, like a big sister. And she's, we've always had that kind of relationship. You know, you see a little bit of us at some of the E3 shows. We were much younger then, but we are always like sarcastic and, you know, kicking back and jokes. And um, we're all like that, you know, and like I mentioned, I'll mention again, you know, with Brian, I'll call him, ask him questions like about NFTs or Bitcoin or whatever, you know, or diet. I want to get back in shape. What do you think I should do? You know, um, and I think John Parrish, you know, Philip on because we're all unique to our own, maybe 
groups outside. So when we find each other and we're together, it's like, we're all so similar and we, I mean, months, years can pass, you know, Sal, did, like Sal is one of my dearest friends. I can call him any second, ask if I need anything, you know, it's, it's really just um, such a gift. So when we all met, it was like seeing a best friend that you didn't know you were best friends. And yeah. I think that's, what's so unique. And really to head that all off was John and Ed, you know, and John Tobias's love for this. I mean, you know, like, again, like we're, we're so young, but when I think back, you know, of my interactions with John and like how passionate he was about telling us story and um, how Sindel's story was and what it was about, you know, and taking the time with us. This is not something that's just like an idea. Let's see if we can make money on it. This yeah. was like John's blood, sweat and tears. You know, this was his creation, his baby. And, um, and Ed was always so supportive and great and they worked so well together. And so everybody around them, you know, I mean, what a gift, but yeah, I'm glad that you feel that. And I think that's what draws the fans. And even to this day, I mean, every day I've got a new message from a new fan on some poor part of my social. And I feel so bad because I'm not, you know, that type of, um, per, like a characters celebrity, you know, mm -hmm. air quotes. Um, but I do interact and support my fans in any way that I can when I can. So, yeah. And, and how was it going from, you know, Mortal Kombat 3, it's obviously still pictures you said to, you know, full acting and, and being in front of a blue screen and, and interacting with other actors and everything. How, how, I know that it is a different experience, but how did you tackle that versus Mortal Kombat 3? I think, I think it was very age appropriate. I think I was really ready for it. <laughs> and so I, I think that because, um, it was current with the times, you know, I had been personally taking a little bit of acting classes. I was going on in a little bit of auditions. So it wasn't so brand new and foreign. And because I had been on the set with Midway and been around those people, it was really kind of just like a further progression of MK3, you know, yeah. but it was a lot, it was a lot more fun because it wasn't so serious, like the still hold, you know, I was able to have the freedom and a couple of lines to act and, you know, goof around. Um, and through your performance, like I create, create Serena and, and, you know, actually bring her to life in a way that, you know, you couldn't do with Sindel. Correct. Yeah. That was a really fun experience and a lot of input again from John, you know, and, um, and, others that were on the set, you know, there's a couple outtakes where I, I really want to get this one line correct. I'm sure you might've seen it. It's like a bloopers, you mm -hmm. know, and um, it's, it, it was just so much fun to, to be able to kind of play, even though it was, you know, a few minutes, a few minutes, Yeah. Uh, but I would like to do it again. <laughs> Bring Serena back. <laughs> yeah. for, for, for just a few minutes, how how long did it actually take? I mean, like when, a, a typical day, are we talking like an eight or 10 hour day for you? Yeah, it was probably an eight hour day. And then, a, you know, go back to do any type of pickups. Again, yeah. it was so long ago, but we got it. We got it all in. I think, I think I might've done two different shoot days because I had my scenes with Rich 
And then I had my scenes with John. Um, and I remember my day with John, um, he actually drove me home. So I think it was like a full day. We were just at midway and I, I, for some reason I didn't have my car. I don't remember, but, um, but yeah, I mean, that's just from what I remember was two days. Two it's days a lot of work. I mean, I yeah. think that's what people need to understand too. Um, you know, it, it, this, whether it's video games, voiceover, screen acting, it's acting, you know, and then it's a challenge and there's an art form to it. Um, you were talking about, and I want to come back to it as well. A, a lot of your, your fitness, your fitness career, your yoga, your meditation. Um, I, I had this moment when you were talking about this, that there's so many fans for this franchise and, and the characters and they, and they're, and they're so adamant about it. And this is not disparaging towards uh, this fandom, but not necessarily maybe people who think about a certain type of diet, a certain type of exercise. And so uh, it makes me think there's a professional wrestler named Diamond Dallas Page who created his own yoga um, called DDP Yoga. And it's very popular. It's very popular with people that wouldn't typically do yoga. And my, uh, I, was a, I was a kindergarten teacher and I used it with my kids when they were like, I don't want to hold a pose for very long. And like, well, let's do this. It's a little more action-based, you know? And it makes me think and wonder that there's a whole market out there. And I mean this in like the best way. There's a whole market out there to, to appeal to these fans of going, well, that's somebody I thought was so cool in a video game. And this is a way for me to work out and like have fun at the same time. I think there's a whole niche market you, uh, you could tap into there. Um, you know, it's funny that you should mention that. Oh, <laughs> um, so I'm actually in the works. I'm working with somebody, um, on producing my own podcast and kind of accessing though, um, the, the Twitch space yep. and, and different ways, obviously YouTube and developing a channel where, um, I will be a host. Um, we are considering calling the podcast spiritual warrior and awesome. Awesome. really opening up the conversation and the dialogue and having, you know, people come on as guests to, to share with us what, how they define spirituality or what a spiritual warrior may look like or be like, or what they've gone through. And then with that, um, sharing some of my yoga teachings, meditation, um, awesome. having different guests that have different facets that they can speak about nutrition and wellness and, um, yeah, so that's, that's, we're in, so, I'm softly working in that space. Well, so. you're speaking my love language because um, <clears throat> you need to do that. I, I will tell you just personally that, uh, you know, I, I brought meditation and, and, and uh, yoga to my five and six-year-olds, you know, on a regular basis. And, and I saw the benefits from doing it every day. And then and someone... he also brought it to his 44 year old friend too. So <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's true. As someone who's been through, we've all had adversity in life. And uh, as someone who's been through some major challenges and, and knowing that yoga was there for me always and meditation was there for me always. And, um, you know, it, it's, it's so important to tap into that. If you can, if you can, you know, clear your mind, focus and, and embrace a different path that most people mainstream quote unquote, it's still, I, I think yoga has definitely gone more into the mainstream nowadays. And it's great. When we were all kids, it was like a hippy dippy thing, you know, Oh, you eat granola, man. You know, it's like mm -hmm. this kind of thing. Now it's like, everybody does yoga, 
uh, meditation, it, it was used to be perceived as this thing as a, as a guru sitting on a mountain with this long beard in a, in a, in a little loincloth. Now it's like something you don't have to do for very long, but you can get a benefit from doing it every day. I think you need to do that. I think it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, more, if more people did it, there would be more gratitude and less, you know, guilt and less anger, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. There's so many benefits. So I'm just, you, I really appreciate you have to go, that. you have to do that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I appreciate that. And I have, I've ended up meeting somebody who, um, reached out to me, um, who is a, like a music DJ and, um, his name is Matt Bishop. And I've now, you know, had enough phone conversations with him and he's demonstrated to me his real desire to, to help me in this space. And, He's like coming on board as like my creative director and we're having, you know, bi-weekly phone calls and he's awesome. really kind of helping head the way because there's a lot of um, space in this technology world that I'm not capable of. And, um, you know, and I've been, I've been thinking about it for a long time and, you know, I really appreciate this idea about um, moving forward myself and, you know, embracing where I am and talking about, you know, being a spiritual warrior and, and kind of coining this as, as a part of my current brand and how I continue to uh, develop and grow in my space as a teacher and as a voice and I'm having different platforms, you know, it just so happens that I was Sindel or I am, you know, the the, you know, OG queen of the out world. Hell yeah. It's, it's really just, it is a gift. And I think, you know, I remember going through my teacher training for yoga and we were talking about the Buddha, you know, readings and I've done, and I I'm, you know, the power of positive thinking. I found that book at the library when I was 17. So I, I definitely feel that I'm divinely inspired and destined yeah. to kind of be on this path, maybe similar to you can relate as like a teacher, you know, yep. and, um, you know, but I remember listening to these ratings about Buddha and, you know, Jesus as well, you know, and, and all of these really, um, uh, kind of inspirational, motivational stories that we hear. And I was like, you know, I mean, we really need a single mom who's going to like demonstrate what yep. being a spiritual warrior is because I can sit on a mountain under a tree and namaste all day, <laughs> but where the real yoga and the real meditation work is when you're able to be active with your child and mindful, you know, and totally. raising my son is one of the easiest things I've ever been given the gift of honest to God. And I've been single since I had him. And it's all the other responsibilities that, you know, a single person is not necessarily capable, hmm. you know, there's a dual income that needs to be happening. And totally. so there's, there's a lot of pressures and realities that I had to face and trudge. And, um, you know, it was extremely difficult for me, extremely. And at the same time, I was becoming a yoga teacher, you know, and I, I'm reading these, these stories and we're, we're, we're talking about how important it is to be at the mat on the mat and how important it is to meditate. And I'm going through these struggles. I'm yeah. going through the bill collectors calling and the car being repossessed. And, you know, these real things are really happening. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you know, 
I'm going to get through this. I've got to get through this. But once I'm through it, I've got to talk about this because we have ideals and like this thought that when I, when everything's okay, then I'll meditate. When everything's okay, then I'll do yoga. When I make more money, then I'll eat better. You know, mm-hmm. I was barely making enough money and I was buying my produce at the 99 cent store. I mean, that's the reality of this time that I went totally. through. Yeah. And that was when I was really practicing what yoga is and what meditation yep. is. Yep. And the way that I would like to continue to like develop my voice as a teacher is about mindfulness and moving meditation. Yeah. Right. And, and I think a lot of times where meditation falls extremely short, especially from being a student, is when the teacher or the instructor is just having you sit there with your own thoughts. I don't want to think of my own thoughts. I, I need to think other thoughts. I need to be reminded that I should breathe in for this amount of time, that mm-hmm. I should breathe out for this amount of time. I need to be reminded that when I'm opening up my chest, I'm releasing stagnant energy. I need to be reminded that at a cellular level, I can regenerate and turn over. I need to be reminded that I'm shedding layers. I need to be reminded that this is temporary. Yeah. I need to be reminded of those things. And I had to do that for myself as myself while I was taking classes to become a yoga teacher. And, um, you know, and it's been a really interesting journey and an incredible experience because I think that gives me more compassion and capacity to identify with all of us that struggle and the struggle is real, you know, and, um, and I don't rest my hat on being a single mom. I now make, you know, double the income because I did the work and I, do it as a group fitness instructor and yeah. I have the freedom to pick up my son and to drop him off and we can buy organic or we can buy local it you know it, I can buy what's on sale or I can buy the expensive or you can go to McDonald's for a treat a million percent we just had <laughs> McDonald's yesterday <laughs> yeah yeah, no, it's so true. And so, um, so you know, I no, just... you, how dare you? You should not be eating McDonald's. You know that's <laughs> terrible for you. Come on. Come on now. Don't you know they put feel-good drugs in that? Come on. <laughs> they do. They definitely My wife do. would be like, you know, they wash their meat with ammonia, right? Oh my God. <laughs> well, they, yeah, they clean up. And this is the thing yesterday. I was like, can I get a, hold on. I was like, should I get a chicken sandwich? And I'm like, no, I'd rather no, fish have, sandwich. I, I go, no, I'd rather have the clean fake meat. Yeah. <laughs> I want to I wa- I tell you really quick, um, uh, if you're interested, there, there's a guy named Joseph Campbell who I, I champion him all the time. Uh, he wrote a book called uh, Hero with a Thousand Faces. He, he wrote the hero's journey, uh, kind of pinpointed, you know, that the mythology and religion, how there's all these parallels and how everything we're all on a, we're all on a hero's journey, right? If you view it that way. Uh, but there's a documentary out called Finding Joe. It's free on YouTube. And it's about, it just profiles uh, people from everyday people to people, celebrities, quote unquote, musicians, um, actors who have used these kind of principles to really just embrace who they are fully as a person and, and follow their bliss. Right. Um, that's my tagline on my emails. It's just says, cause I feel like, and, and, and the, the root of that is 
when you do what you love, all that positivity will flow into it, you know, and it doesn't happen overnight and it doesn't happen maybe five years later. Sometimes it takes forever, but that journey we're all on, we're all going to get there if we can stay the course, right? If you believe that this is the course of positivity and love. Totally. A million percent. Love kills the demons. That is, that is something that I have learned and I deal with that, you know, dealing with my, you know, personal relationships that are so difficult. I now have relationships with people that are my relatives, you know, that, (laughs) that I, that I, I love at a different, I love at a different capacity because I was willing to do you know, some real spiritual growing. And I think that that's where we get kind of confused is, you know, we're, we're contained and limited by this shell of being, but I also think it's important to be human and eat McDonald's, you know, like you have to to be here. Get a McFlurry. Yeah. But, but then also have this access to realize, whoa, I can grow spiritually and have a relationship with a family member or an ex-spouse or a colleague that, you know, and I can show up different and wow, look at that. It doesn't, it doesn't necessarily make it, you know, here's my air quotes again, better, but, but it gives us a space to be a part of a solution. And I, and I think that's how I'm trying to like raise my son too, you know, it's just, you know, he's in fifth grade now and like the new kid at the school and Yeah, it's but but the good thing is is he is so he is he's so solid in who he is. Um, but it is it's fifth grade is tough. I mean, no matter what, it's just like, and he's a boy, and he's got you know he's got like his mom to check in with, and he's like mom, you know. (laughs) But I just I always tell him I'm like you're gonna work it out. Just how can you you know how can you be so and so's friend or what's what's really going on here you know or i say like we don't know that person's story like we don't know what they're going through so just you know yeah. let it roll off your shoulder like it's all going to be okay and know? and it's nice that you you know have that that time and everything uh the, to do that with your son you know and yeah. i'm not saying anything negative about my mom but she just we just didn't have these kind of conversations when i was younger it was more like uh, you know you go over there and watch tv and eat some cereal again she she wasn't a bad mom i'm not saying anything negative but i get it your your energy is finite and if you're working a, yeah. a full-time job and you know i i understand that more now but it's wonderful that that you have that kind of time and that that space and that energy to impart those those beautiful you know words of wisdom on on your son Thank you. I appreciate that, Corey. And, you know, it's kind of like what Zach said is, you know, we get to show up and be a parent that that we, you know, I didn't have any parental guidance. And even now, you know, with COVID hitting and everything, I've found my way back to the Midwest and I'm now living with my mom, um, who's a senior, you know, and she bought this beautiful home and my son and I have this, this space. And so I'm living with three generations and I have a relationship, you know, with my mother that I never had as a child, but I'm still the mom in the relationship. And, you know, and that's, that's a space that for a long time, you know, there's, there's like this way, I kind of like what Zach said about, you know, like be your own hero. You kind of have to get to a point in your life where you you have to realize that maybe there's nothing to fix, right? Like mm-hmm. it's always going to be a, a, a sour spot for me about my relationship with my mom. I yeah. wish I had something different, 
I don't need to go to therapy to figure out why it just, I, there's a mom hole and there's a dad hole and I can find other relationships. I have a relationship with my son. That's incredible. And I'm going to raise a man and this boy has a space. He can feel feelings and I can support him. And that's going to be something that would have never have happened. So there's gratitude, but I'm also going to honor the fact that I'm always going to have a mom hole. And that's just the way it is. And I think that that's where I've learned to really own my voice. I wanted the power of positive thinking to wash away the relationship with my mom and my dad. I wanted, you know, I wanted things to be different. I wanted her to act a certain way. I wanted him to be a certain way. And I still wish that I had that experience. And I think that's always just going to be my truth, Mm -hmm. but I've come to terms with, I'm the one that, you know, comes home and, and does the deal. And, and I'm the mom in the relationship and that's okay. That's how God, you know, thinks that I'm supposed to be. So I'm okay with that. Um, but I think that it's going to be an interesting experience to watch how my son grows in having a mom who supports him having feelings I was going to say that's, that's huge. Like it's, yeah, I can speak for Zach too, growing up in the eighties. I think, especially for guys, uh, you know, we were always told like, you cannot show any emotions and you can't cry. You can't feel this. And to this day, I'm 44 years old. I can barely cry in front of my wife. Like I hide it. Like, it's like so weird, but I just wanted to say thank you uh, uh, from as a guy uh, to and all the guys in the world for, for giving your son the ability and, or the space uh, to feel his emotions and, and sort of ending or trying to cut off that, that stereotype. Cause hopefully it's this generation. It's, you know, Zach's son too can feel emotions unlike us who were all cold and dead inside because of it. But I do, I love the fact that you're, you're giving him uh, some emotional space as a guy to, to, to feel his, his feelings and everything. Thank you, Corey. That, that means a lot, especially coming from two stellar guys right here and your creatives too. So you've got all kinds of feelings and, you know, and, and yeah, I mean, we are, uh, we're definitely in a space and he's 11 and he's always, he just knows who he is. And I am always going to honor that. And, um, his name is honor actually. So he's, always really truthful and um you know hopefully he doesn't start to dim his light i just want him to feel fully supported and if i'm lucky maybe i'll meet a man who can come in and help us all shine our bright lights <laughs> yeah yeah you know and you're you're uplifting his energy just being who you are being your authentic self and uh you know you're, you're a spiritual warrior like you said so i love that i think uh you are sounds like you're doing a fantastic job and you know that what was that song by rosie greer back in the day it's, it's all right to cry by uh free to be you and me so <laughs> my mom's like listen to this it's good it, it's okay to cry it's like, okay okay mom I love you. um but th- this this you you have been uh this has been such a wonderful journey having this conversation with you today really has like we've talked video games and fitness and spirituality and the whole gamut. So if people are not inspired by the end, the end of this, what is wrong with you? <laughs> listeners? They need on. to go to McDonald's, <laughs> go to McDonald's, get yourself a fish fillet and uh, you know, a McFlurry and you'll be good to go. So from 
I'm from Detroit. So, and then, you know, Corey's from Maryland. So we, uh, I, I love how I say Detroit, but it's the Midwest, you know, <laughs> you say Chicago, it's the, like, I want to I want it to be the East coast. It just sounds cooler to me. Um, but, but people will be looking out for spiritual warrior, perhaps a podcast very soon yes. on yes. Twitch as well. Um, and can they find you in, in Chicago, uh, doing yoga or anything you want to promote from, from there? Yes. Um, I'd love to share if any fan is interested in, in, um, checking out my website, it's leahmontelongo.com. Um, I just offer my eight by tens autographed. I ship them out. It's really super easy, pretty cost effective. That is it for right now. I do teach for um, Equinox. That's a private health club. So they would have to be a member. Um, but I'm happy to, you know, have a, have somebody come in as a guest if they want to come and take a class. Um, and that's it. I'm really not, you know, kind of a low key just doing the, doing the, deal teaching the classes but soon uh i hope to be really accessible through spiritual warrior awesome leah thank you so much for being on our show this is ah, awesome i hope you, you feel good i hope you oh my gosh i feel like i just met two best friends right on <laughs> thank you so much <laughs> yeah, most people most people are like i'm not a fan of doing podcasts but after i've come on your show i'm a fan of doing podcasts I'm like, okay. <laughs> i think they're great i mean God, the world that we're in right now. Thank gosh we have this, you know, yeah. technology. Totally. I look totally. forward to listening to Spiritual Warrior uh, when it comes out. And yeah. hopefully one day we can, you know, meet at a con or something when the world That'd be great. Yeah. opens back and, up again. Know, yeah. And maybe I can reach out to you both and we can kind of have you on as guests. That'd be awesome. Anytime. I'd love to. We yeah, love that. We're just going to kind of like, you know, have a real open conversation. What does Spiritual Warrior mean to you? And then- mm-hmm any any type of um cross uh marketing that we can do and helping support just this whole space for people to have connection well one of the things i mean that's one of the things we we pride ourselves we think that separates us uh you know a lot of these shows that we compete with they're very snarky you know they look at these quote-unquote bad movies and they you know they kind of shit on them and whatnot we try to find the love and everything we keep everything positive because there's just so much negativity in the world so we do love trying to always be positive be fun so and i do think it comes from a positive spiritual spiritual place you know absolutely yeah yeah well we were we were knocked around a few times so i say to my son on a regular basis be grateful for what you have not what you want that's and right we practice that on the daily so um that's grateful so to fun. have you on our show yes. yeah, thank you so I much so much all right i'm gonna jump off now yes right, have care. a good one Bye. 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 <laughs> Thank you for listening to Podcasting After Dark's exclusive interview series with Leah Montalongo. And, as always, thank you for your support. Imagine. 
being one of the last people on Earth, being trapped alone with something not human, something always watching, something always waiting. What would you do? Where would you run? Where would you hide if you were haunted for seven winters alone? Podcasting After Dark presents Seven Winters Alone, a dystopian haunted house story by David Irons. Available now in paperback and ebook.